0: My name's Oliver Braid. And I'm Ellie Harrison. And welcome to our third special edition Ellie and Oliver show, live from Edinburgh Arts Festival. Today is the 17th of August, I believe. It is. So Ellie, I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction into what we're going to talk about uh, for, for you and for everyone, and then we'll just get into some good old discussion, I suppose. Brilliant. So I wanted to reflect a little bit on last week's theme, which was excesses. And I thought what was interesting about that show in a way was that it seemed like there were far too many ideas and they were a little bit all over the place.
1: Well, that's appropriate. I know. That's what I think is great. (laughs)
0: Hashtag conceptual radio. (laughs) Perfect for excesses. I think it does teach us a lesson that too much does have a certain type of outcome. Don't want to make a value judgment about what kind of outcome that (laughs) might be, but it it does encourage a certain type of outcome. With that feeling of too much Mm -hmm. also I thought seemed to continue throughout our day last Friday. So I should explain to everyone. After the radio show we went straight to the Nile Cafe.
1: Nile Valley Cafe. Nile Valley
0: Cafe for our falafel Friday. Then we did a TV interview for Summer Hall TV. It was
1: quite stressful, wasn't it? Because we were trying to eat and review a falafel and be interviewed and filmed at the same time. In a
0: situation where th- all the other people in the restaurant had been told to shut up so that we could be <laughs> recorded. <laughs> but anyway, a big shout out to Summer Hall TV, and we're looking forward to that coming out. Um, then we popped across to New Media Scotland, which is our new regular haunt. Big shout out to Mark Daniels and all at New Media Scotland for supporting us and letting us Basically use, use their internet. <laughs> Uh, then we went straight across to the other side of town to see Boy in a Dress by John Joseph. Le John Joseph. Big yeah. shout out to Le John Joseph. Then we had to go straight across to the other side of town again to work at Hunt and Dart Cafe. And a big shout out to Hunt and Dart Cafe. Uh, and so. We had all these things happening. And while we were out in the street, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that made it more stressful was just that there were so many people in the street. And that happens, right, in Edinburgh every year at festival time. Yeah, It's a big feature of the festival that there's so many people. Uh, and they were kind of slowing us down. It felt a bit like cattle. Yeah. And I heard one woman say it was like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then when we went to the falafel shop... Yeah, no shit. When we went to the falafel shop, I heard someone talking about Sarch. Mm-hmm. And I thought they'd come to hang out with us because they were talking about that but it turned out (laughs) they were just pretentious as well (laughs) and um then they get they were doing they were talking about the quote from no exit like hell is other people right and that's really how i arrived at the theme for others which is our theme this week others um because also i thought similar to changes and excess it's also like a big part of the edinburgh festival experience yeah is others so yeah, that's my introduction.
1: Getting annoyed at other people. Yeah, it's interesting because that quote, when it when it really, when I remember hearing it for the first time, was actually last year at Edinburgh, when <sighs> I went to the symposium that Johnathan Thomas Sullivan organised at Fetty's College, and f- our friend Fiona Jardine, oh. although she's not following us on, she's Twitter not following anymore, us on Twitter anymore. She um, quoted that. Same quote, hell is other people, from Sartre, Hmm. in reference to walking around Edinburgh. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's really weird. Yeah, that's so interesting. But then we went to watch the John Joseph do his amazing performance, which I recommend. It's until the end of the fringe. Yeah, I think
0: it's on to the 27th, 420 at the Stand 3. Really good show, I enjoyed it.
1: Autobio- autobiographical sort of monologue w- with songs and lots of costume changes about a boy growing up in um, Liverpool.
0: A lot of semi-naked bodies Yeah. if we've l- got any listeners that are just perverts rather than art appreciators. Quite
1: a lot of homoerotic um, behaviour yeah. but it was funny because almost one of the first things you said when we sat down you'd already said I want to do others next week and I'm like Good theme, but one of the first things he said in his monologue was "The other is our necessary twin we I, we know what we are because we know what we are not
2: oh. like
1: um, really like highlighting this idea of a binary mm-hmm. we know that we 're male because we 're not female, or mm-hmm. vice versa, but his whole um, kind of thread that ran throughout the whole show was this idea of the soup spoon and how if you're not a knife and you're not if you're not a knife then you're a fork or if you're not a fork then you're a knife. But then what happens with the spoon? Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful line about um, he said you can't humiliate a sp- a soup spoon, you can't execute a soup spoon. Like <laughs> if you're this other that isn't in the binary mm-hmm. that you're in some way well, you're special, but you're also kind of removed from this whole dialectic, yeah. if you want to call it that. But I just saw others, it's such a brilliant theme. It's really, really brilliant.
0: What I think is particularly interesting, and especially in relation to La John Joseph's show, is last night when I was doing some research, I yeah. referred to a particularly reputable internet resource, right. which we frequent on the Ellie and Oliver show. And this one statement or this one sentence I just thought summed up in a way the whole vibe of others. Yeah. In a way that you would I would think about approaching it and therefore I thought afterwards we could look at other ways to approach it.
1: Other ways of looking at others.
0: Yeah, other ways of looking at others <laughs> because the sentence from I'm not going to lie, no lay. The yeah. sentence <laughs> from Wikipedia is others, it often involves the demonization and dehumanisation mm-hmm. of groups, which further justifies attempts to civilise and exploit these inferior others. Uh-huh. And so I suppose the whole vibe, right, of others, I think, is always, like, problematic. It is. But I was wondering if there are ways that we can look at how the concept of other can have a more positive impact on our lives, yeah. rather than always thinking about it as that they it has a negative Influence, And I found out about this really interesting study from the University of Wisconsin in 1972, where they surveyed 100 students and they looked at their aspirations and their ambitions. And they also asked them about other people in their lives who played significant roles. And then they went away and they interviewed the significant others. And the results that they found was that the expectation that the significant others had on the students, with the single most potent influence on the students' own aspirations.
1: So the significant others being who?
0: Like, say, a a really close friend or a family member or someone like that. Like, actually, what their aspirations and expectations were played the biggest role in defining...
1: Well, it's like the big other, isn't it? Yeah, it is
0: like the big other. Because
1: when I think about my big other, well, for me, it's definitely for a lot of people this is basic psychoanalysis (laughs) is your parents Mm -hmm. like that you're always kind of if i look at the way i carry out my life and the things that i aspire to and the things that i try to achieve Mm -hmm. i think a good psychoanalyst or even quite a basic psychoanalyst would (laughs) quite quite an a-level psychoanalyst would say that all of that in some way is motivated by trying to want to please my parents Mm -hmm. and that is both that is terrifying actually when i think about but then i i do worry about if if they if they if then well when they're not here anymore whether i'll be motivated to do anything
0: god i think that all the time but i think what happens (laughs) In social psychology, right, so the significant other, we could say, is, like, the parent, the child, and they have a big effect on shaping the child. Yeah. Apparently, till they're about six or seven. Yeah. But then beyond that, actually, what happens is that as the child grows up and becomes more independent, they transfer that otherness onto what apparently in social psychology is known as a a general other, which is actually more abstract concept of, like, what society deems as good or bad. Yeah. But actually, I did want to speak to you about your motivations for... Uh, social change or your motivations for because i thought we had a really interesting discussion on the train last week in which you referred to yourself as the dutiful misanthropist
1: well i've got uh, i've got lots of research i'd really like to talk about that but are we going to talk about that before our song or after song because that's the main bulk of kind of well should we just should we do a song
0: now we're 10 minutes into the show we could have a song for three or four minutes yeah. And then get a good old bit of dutiful misanthropy in. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah? It's okay.
0: Okay, so I'm going to transfer us across to... Oh, it's my song first this week, isn't it? Yeah, what How are exciting. you to? Well, we're listening to a the La Loop remix of Sister Wife by Alex Winston, which I can't work out, but I think it's about um, having another woman in your marriage. I think it's about having like a man who requests his wife or girlfriend to have a threesome with another woman. It's about the woman's feelings towards the other woman but I don't know if any of that is true that is what I've imagined slash interpreted from the lyrics of the song I mean you have a listen tell me if you think that's the truth should we play it we better cool
1: song, Oliver. Thanks for picking that. Thanks. My pleasure. Uh, let me, I better just check your mics on. <laughs> on I think it's on. You're on. Yeah,
0: um. I've been really enjoying Alex Winston a lot in the last couple of weeks.
1: I just wanted to actually shout out because I've just referred back to my notes from last week. That Hopefully, if everything's gone according to plan, they should be listening live in the Hunt and Dart and Cafe right oh, now. Oh, big
0: shout out to Hunt and Dart and Cafe. And if you haven't
1: been there, you must go there and check it out. It's the nicest venue in the whole of Edinburgh and it's just here for the fridge. Really
0: good food, really good price, lovely friendly people. And
1: you've got artists being waiters.
0: Real live artists.
1: And artists are d- actually quite good at being waiters, really, aren't yep. they? Yeah. Good working I in the service industry. i quite a lot, lot of experience. <laughs> exactly. But, so, others... Of one those. of the things that I started to think about, because I remember ages ago, you asked me, <laughs> what's the difference between morals and ethics? Yes. It wasn't even that long ago. And I couldn't answer it properly. Um, but one of the... I still don't know the answer, actually. But <laughs> if you want to know the answer, go and watch that film, Election, because there's a brilliant bit in it when Tracy Need Flick, who's actually my hero, is the main <laughs> character in Election, um, she has to re- reply to that question. Well, they, the, the teacher asked the entire class and she's like meep, meep, in the front row because she knows it um but one of the ways that i think of defining what morals are is um the impact that your actions or your behavior mm-hmm. have on others it's not a moral act if it's just something that will only ever impact on you
0: yeah, of course not.
1: So that's how you defi- you define what morals are in relation to the other. And it's not just other people, obviously. It's other animals and the environments become extended mm-hmm. out beyond just other humans to all of these other things. Mm. So um, I think it that leads us quite nicely into more of a discussion about what uh, moral behaviour actually is and relates to this phrase, the dutiful misanthrope yes <laughs> which is what we talked about last week on the train because as we were traveling back from edinburgh
0: yeah we should set the scene really of how it came to be that you said to me do you "I'm you the to beautiful misanthrope." well un- unless you can or i can do you want to do it do you think you do it justice
1: well go on you do well, it from your side okay of the so story. well from my
0: point of view we were running because oh no we've got the train but on the platform there was a woman who'd last obviously tripped train. over or had been punched in the face or something and she was bleeding
1: and she was having a boo-hoo And she as was well. crying.
0: She'd obviously been quite drunk. and she's just, But they were probably our parents' age, maybe a little bit younger than our parents' age, but old enough to know better and be a bit more dignified. But then on the train, we ended up sitting quite near to them, and they were quite loud, which was really frustrating. But then the woman, or the, the one of the guys that was with them, asked you if she could drink from your water bottle. Yes. And it wasn't ideal for you, was it? You did do it, but she it wasn't like... It was
1: like to take the pills. She was taking some painkillers or something. <laughs> um,
0: and so what I thought was kind of interesting about it is that you're really interested in, like, the general other, like, your your morals and or your the, all the duties that you perform mm. are in order to help humanity or to, to do better for other people, right? But then when it comes to specific <laughs> one-to-one interactions with people, like... You are not so... I mean, you gave the water, but it wasn't... It was clearly not ideal for you, I right? I reluctantly
1: gave the water. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, I've been, think- I've been reflecting on this a lot since then because it did make me... The whole incident made me question my whole, like, um, ethical code and how it's constructed. Mm. And it made me think back to when I first learned about the dutiful misanthrope, which was when I did a course on Hegel... University of Glasgow when we were doing our MFA and we did a course on Hegel's philosophy of right but a lot of Hegel's theories came as a result of critiquing Kant Mm -hmm. and Kant I think the word the dutiful misanthrope is actually used as a way of criticizing um, how Kant defines a moral act because Kant's um, definition of how, well, how we can describe something as moral, is something that is not motivated by anything other than duty. Yeah. So he would discount something as a moral act that's motivated, well, obviously by self-interest or by inclination, which is sort of passions, love yeah. or hate, or um, any of these other things that in some way contaminate an act.
0: But it's a desiring premise, right? Like, I think we talked about this on the show before, like, in a, in kind of deontic or Kantian duty logic, whatever you call it, like, you can only have... Because you know that thing to be right, you don't need, like, a reason to do that thing in order... Like, you don't need to want to be right. Yeah. You just... You know that that's the only decision because exactly. you really understand... Exactly. Code. So,
1: um, I mean... When when I reflect back on what I felt like giving that woman <laughs> my water, yeah. it was the fact that we've been looking at it on the platform, she had the blood coming down her face. Yeah. And, like, I guess my instinct was to feel disgust and contempt. Yeah, me for too. Them. Um, but yet, when forced into that si- decision, when they're obviously too drunk and too disorganized to have any water on them, um, I reluctantly gave it over, so that could, that probably was in Kant's eyes the the moral the the, the moral decision. But then I think about like being being a vegan, because um, I thought about this a lot when I was on the MFA. It was really interesting reading back over my old notebooks to see how clever I was then compared <laughs> to where I am now. But I was really reflecting on like the decision to be vegan, because actually when I first became vegetarian, I didn't become vegetarian because I didn't like meat. I loved meat. I eating, like, steaks, mm. And I loved eating raw steaks and I loved eating chicken roasts and all of this stuff. But yet, yeah, I reluctantly gave up all of those things because I th- thought it was for a greater moral good, I suppose. So that would be the dutiful... I am the dutiful misanthrope, I think. Because, and this idea of hell is other people, Like my instinct is actually to hate other people. I
0: mean, I think the thing is, like, it depends whether you're the dutiful misanthrope. It depends on whether or not you want to, I think, I I think it has something to do with whether or not your actions try to convert other people into thinking how you feel. Because when you mention Hegel, I've got this, like, each consciousness pursues the death of the other, is a Hegel quote, like, so separateness, like, assuming separateness between you and another creates a sense of alienation. And the way that humans try to do that, uh, to to deal with that alienation, is to resolve it through synthesis.
1: Right. So mm. always
0: trying to get rid of the other. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Does that mean sex? I think it means more <laughs> so like... Two like horrible hand I think gesture.
1: It, No, I think it's
0: less... I think it's more abstract. A kind a of conceptual
1: life. synthesis. Maybe what we're doing right now with our minds. Mm. May, our maybe, but I guess
0: it's also to do with trying to suggest your ideas to other people or you know in a public forum
1: but ha- in like the radio <laughs> show but hegel would also say that kant's concept of morals is nonsense and he would say that it's absolutely fine for any one action or any one thing behavior that you perform to be have several different motivations and that's normal yeah that so is it's normal. fine for you to do something because you think it'll benefit the world but it's also going to make you feel good and it's also because you love the person that that yeah, I say
0: a big combo. I mean, what yeah. do can't know?
1: And so that <laughs> is called a hetero a heteron a action. I like that mm, word because yeah, it's something nice. that's like influenced by lots of different things. Mm. But we need to do Falafel Friday, Oliver.
0: Whoa! What time is it?
1: It's time to do Falafel it's Friday.
0: Friday. Should we, should we have s- a little jingle? Let's do the jingle.
3: It's Falafel Friday, it's Falafel Friday, live from the pavilion,
1: yeah. It is Falafel Friday, and you know what this means, that every Friday for the Edinburgh Art Festival, we are sampling a different falafel at a different takeaway restaurant <laughs> in the city, <laughs> and inviting oh, you, yeah. our listeners, to join us! Woo. So where are we going today, Oliver? Right,
0: well today we are going to Mediterranean Gate. Woo. And Ooh. I would tell you all about Mediterranean Gate, right?
1: It's on Forty Eight George the Fourth Bridge, right? Forty Eight George us. the
0: Fourth Bridge. I've actually never been to Mediterranean Gate before. I'm very
1: excited.
0: Uh, but w- I think w- are we averaging to be there for about one forty-five?
1: Maybe between one one, thir- one, forty five, one thirty and have got five. Scoot off on the train. People are Inverness. more than welcome
0: to come and speak to us about Hegel or Kant or Flaffle. <laughs> you know, anything wherever you fancy, just come along. Um, But yes, so last week, down to the nitty-gritty of the falafel critique session, last week we went to the Nile Valley Cafe, which is at 6 Chapel Street. Uh It's quite a different vibe to Palmyra that we went to before, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing I realised in the first week is that it's actually very stressful reviewing your meal because you can't enjoy it in the same way that you would but also we had the double stress of being interviewed at the same time but my my instinct, i I haven't actually given it a score but my instinct really is to think it wasn't quite as good as palmyra
0: no me neither i think the same
1: I think that, I mean, I was upset because I wanted a chili sauce, but the only chili sauce they had had yogurt mixed into it, which just seemed really absurd. I think it's too much
0: because you're already going to get, you can have a yogurt sauce separately. So why have, I like to mix them both, yeah. you know, but within the falafel.
1: falafel. I mean, one thing I said that I think was better than um, Palmyra is that the falafel itself was crunchier. Mm, it had sesame had, seeds on top it as well. It had slightly more of a homemade taste to it. I know that mm. they're probably homemade in Palmyra as well, but I was also thinking that maybe I only noticed that because I didn't have so much sauce, and therefore it felt crunchier. Yeah.
0: My main disappointment was it was noticeably thinner yeah. than Palmyra, and also they had like slices of tomato rather than in Palmyra. I think they make the tomato very small, so you can barely notice it creeping into your body. Yeah. But in West Nile, or whatever it's called, Nile Valley Cafe, yeah. the tomato was in like quite big slices, and I really don't like to, ha- to see that amount of tomato. Yeah. I don't mind consuming it if I don't have to see it.
1: Price-wise, though. Personal, though. Cheaper. Yeah, it was a little bit cheaper. But I would say a very good falafel still, but not quite up to stuff. Lovely decor.
0: Brown. Yeah, good
1: decor. Lovely decor. Check out you the photos. You can check that out
0: on the photos.
1: <laughs> but we've run out of time, Oliver. Oh, my Lord. So, we haven't got time to announce the fact that Naja no, Sainz... <laughs> Is no longer coming. She was our
0: significant other for our afternoon special.
1: But we're on the case now to find a soup spoon to join the fork and the... Yes, yeah. The fork and the knife. That's what we need. We call out for a soup spoon. If you think that you're
0: an ideal soup spoon... To
1: join this knife and fork...
0: Feel free to send in a little note. Um,
1: So we're going to listen now to a beautiful duet. Yeah,
0: someone else (laughs) looking for a soup spoon.
1: It's a song by Dolly Parton and... Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Anyway, it's not really related to the theme at all, apart from that it's a love song. And I guess this significant other song is, it's yeah, it's a song that you the might island sing to in your the stream. It's singing. a
0: binary, isn't it? It's very big, b- binary gender. Binary gender. it's
1: Exactly. But I want to play it because I've had a completely insane week, and I've actually hardly seen Oliver because I only got back late on Wednesday night. I was in London. And I ended up on Radio 2 and on Sky News. Woo! But as I was being waiting to be interviewed by Vanessa Feltz <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Tuesday no, on Radio Vanessa. 2, uh, she said, We're gonna go to Ellie Harrison from the Bring Back British Rail campaign in just a second. But before that, here's Dolly and
0: Kenny Rogers. Oh my bad.
2: When I met you there was peace unknown I set out to get you with a fine tooth comb I was soft inside There was something going on You do something to me that I can't explain Hold me closer and I feel no